Once Upon a Time Season 5, Episode 1 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap. It was a little weird for me to say that it's been a long hiatus. I am so glad to be back, but I'm even, even more glad to be back because I'm in the presence of this fine man and fantastic podcaster. He is uh, haunted by the specter of Giles the butler that follows him around and tells him what to do. It's the one and only Kurt Clark. Kurt, we're back. We are back. I have shut down the fryers. I have secured the condiments and I am ready to podcast. Well, it's a good thing because uh, apparently in Storybrooke, you want to make sure that your houses are approved for any sort of hurricane or, uh, you know, other or storms or any sort of magical spell that takes you into another realm. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, I was I was all ready to get out the old rule book about portals again. But I think this one is this one was I think we learned in the past that that's. Cyclones are approved and and have we, we can grant it's not really grandfathering them. We already have a, we already have cyclones as approved portal yeah. devices in the in the universe. So um, I, I, I it's kind of like I say it was funny. I guess the the caveat is there. It has to take you there in a house of some sort. <laughs> exactly. And you always have to be in some sort of domicile. There you uh, so, Kurt, for those who, uh, who are listening that did not follow our coverage of Wayward Pines here on Post Recap <laughs> this summer or did not listen to you cover uh, International Big Brother or the couple of other Survivor podcasts you did over the summer, how have the past few months been? It's been, I, I think our, our feedback show was like mid-May, so we haven't talked once upon a time in uh, four months, it seems. No, it, it, it's been good. I'm like, yeah, for those of that followed or for those that don't follow International Big Brother, it's on, gosh, seven nights a week. So the, getting back to covering a show that is once a week is kind of a nice, a nice back, a nice return to uh, normality, uh, as normal as we can say about Once Upon a Time. Yeah, though, I feel like uh, Once Upon a Time, there is so much action crammed into one hour that it basically feels like you're going through a week of content. That's true. That's true. They, they definitely hit the ground running with uh, episode one here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess I'll give an update of myself as well. I mean, this summer, uh, you might have heard me cover Last Comic Standing on Rob as a podcast as well as a couple of other things. Uh, Kurt, I also got married this past summer and luckily Regina did not come to interrupt it. There were no bells tolling, <laughs> so we didn't have to live up to that part of the prophecy. So I'm pretty sure that's why she stayed away. You didn't fling a sword down the aisle trying to hit like a ring bearer or something who'd vanished in a puff of smoke. Well, I did it, but I wasn't trying to hit the ring bearer. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. RIP to our ring bearer. No, our ring bearer was a uh, was a was a five year old child. So that would be very very disconcerting <laughs> if that happened. You probably overshot. You went right over the head. Yeah, I, I really need to compensate for height. I am no William Tell. Speaking of William Tell. Here we are. We are at Once Upon a Time season five. It's been, it's felt like a really long summer, but it's good to be back. We're kicking right back off. We're we're going to the Enchanted Forest. We're getting the Camelot story right off. I would love to get your thoughts before we really dive in here, Kurt. Um, in terms of how this compares to other premieres, I know we kind of watched all the premieres like in a row over the course of August and September last year. Um, but in terms of other premieres, I mean, what, what are your overall thoughts in this episode? How, how does it stack up for you? I, I really liked it, uh, not the least of which is because, as, as you said, uh, when we kicked off things last fall, it was really kind of in the at the in the heels of just having binge watched the first three seasons um so so i don't know if my my enjoyment of the season five premiere was because i got to kind of just ease into once upon a time um 
but no, they, 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 we had most of the cast of characters there. Um, so some fun interaction and almost meta commentary from the dwarves in terms of them being included <laughs> this time. Uh, and it, it was, it was good. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Although they, I, I don't know. Could, I mean, could they have pumped the brakes a bit in terms of getting everybody to the, back to the, uh, enchanted forest? I, I don't know, but, uh, I enjoyed it. How about you? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I will say that I think overall their premieres are almost always pretty good. I mean, I remember the first two seasons, even say what you want to about season two, but I still really love that whole reveal where we had that whole Mulan and Aurora storyline. And then it gets revealed that Mm -hmm. that's actually corollary to what's going on. Storybrooke rather than in a flashback. Um, And I mean, I completely agree with you in terms of this was an extremely action packed premiere, even by once upon a time standards, it almost felt like a finale in terms of everything that was going on here. I was so surprised that, you know, they not only went to Camelot, but they actually like found (laughs) Emma. And obviously the ending is going to leave a lot of things open to the structure of the next 10 episodes. But man, they went there very, very quickly, Uh, which I'll agree that I I definitely enjoyed this episode as well. Uh, There were some things that I probably was not the biggest fan of, but overall I was really happy with it. I forgot if I said this during the feedback show, but um, like my sixth grade self is nerding out hardcore about all this King Arthur stuff just because when we first learned about the the myth when I first entered middle school, I was like obsessed with it. I, I had to get my hands on like Camelot the musical and, and Merlin the TV series. So like <laughs> I'm so happy to just get all of this back in my life. I feel like an 11 year old again. Yeah, I think the I mean, we'll we'll talk more about the the knights when we get there. But I think now this is this uh, the same uh, Lancelot Lancelot that uh, that we've seen before, because I thought he was dead. No, I mean, I think he that's going to be an interesting thing they're going to have to explain, (laughs) because from what we could uh, decipher, which again, he, he I think he last appeared in a season three flashback, but he really his big episode was season two when it turned out that like he was the king of this big refugee camp. But it turned out that Cora was impersonating him the entire time and he was actually dead. But you never know. That could have just been like, yeah. oh, no, Cora, like the maybe Cora <laughs> pulled a Zelina and got his like essence in a little necklace and then tried to masquerade as him. It was just a flesh wound. He's a, he'll get better. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's going to be no shortage of uh, Holy Grail type references probably during our, no, our podcast you, this if, year. If you <laughs> listeners are fans of Monty Python and the Holy Grail or the quest or Game of Thrones, you are in for a treasure trove of, of, um, of pop culture references this season. But let's dive into it here. And I know we usually in the past have uh, sort of parsed things out into different storylines and sort of tackled it one chunk at a time. But here I sort of feel like everything was pretty close knit. Uh, there was a little bit like, you know, we could argue that, hey, there was stuff going on in the Enchanted Forest at the same time as Storybrooke, but everything kind of seemed to be connected to the same purpose. So for the purposes of not confusing ourselves entirely, uh, we're going to go chronological here and extremely chronological because, Kurt, we are starting in the great year, uh, my birth year, 1989 in Minneapolis. Oh, great Taylor Swift album. Yeah, slash Ryan Adams album. I haven't listened to it yet, so I have no, I have no judgment call on that. Uh, but we see a young Emma here. Uh, this is, I guess, now we so we've seen teenage Emma, and we've seen mm-hmm. baby Emma, and we've seen mm-hmm. adult Emma, who is also kind of teenager Emma. So now we have child <laughs> Emma. We have all the pieces in place now. Yeah, and it appears she's here with her foster family or one of her foster families. Is that what we're meant to take away from this? That's what I assumed, but she is, yeah. uh, but not Ingrid. Uh, that's what I'm assuming because I because I don't yeah. think she was based in Minneapolis. 
Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. There, there was some kind of larger heavyset woman that was leading a, a band of waves into the theater. Um, and this is where we get one of the, again, one of those those meta moments where there's a kind of a well-known piece of fiction or mythology that exists in our world that it turns out isn't actually fiction or mythology. I mean, we've seen it before when, um, I believe, you know, last season or the season before that, when, uh, you know, Emma make, Emma, you know, so shows that she has knowledge of you know the wicked witch of the west in the land of oz uh as a you know a a a literary concept in our world and that's always that's always kind of i never know how to quite take that uh when when we see the characters in the show uh in the real world uh who were you know normals uh knowing of fantasy characters and it turns out those fantasy characters are actually now living in storybrook um so I just yeah, always kind of funny that the uh, so we have this Disney, especially this Disney sword in the stuff. Yeah, I mean you have to go with that. You have to, you have the commodity. You might as well play with it. That being said, I do feel like they hit it a little hard on the nose here by being like, <laughs> and she is sitting and the sword of the stone. Maybe it's so that maybe Merlin planned this so that when he brought up the term Excalibur, she would. Uh, not be flabbergasted as to as to what they may be though he was also talking over the movie so she might have been confused as to what Excalibur was considering she didn't probably didn't hear that part of the film so wait, that was that was Merlin that was speaking to her that's what I'm assuming um I thought I thought it was maybe one of the I thought it was Lancelot no, well, Lancelot has uh, several defining characteristics that that man did not, and I'll, I'll leave that at, leave it at that. Um, but I, I, from what I can I can surmise, and again, like this is not going into casting spoilers or anything. I'm assuming, and maybe this is sort of my equating with uh, the scene that happens with Emma, which is basically Kid Emma comes into the movie theater. She's yeah. obviously jealous of the family. She tries to. Uh, pickpocket an apollo bar from a woman and gets kind of caught out by the movie theater usher which i didn't know those those still existed in 1989 and that they still wore like the bellhop uniforms uh but he sits down and he basically tells her like you know i'm i'm not actually a usher i'm some sort of prophet and you know there's something that you're going to be doing later on in your life don't do it or bad things will happen and he specifies more by saying you'll have the opportunity to remove excalibur one day from the stone but you must not um, but I assumed again, I'm, I'm speaking of the Apollo bar. I'm sort of equating this with like Jacob from lost, uh, specifically in the season five finale where he would like drop by and visit people and kind of give them this sort of otherworldly advice that they might not understand in the moment. And that sort of reminded me of that. And, uh, it's sort of tied into this whole idea of the sorcerer. And I think it would be fun to see like a younger sorcerer, uh, specifically Merlin, because what we're used to is like a gray old man with a beard. Yeah, and, and I think and we as viewers aren't really necessarily meant to know how to take this. I mean, yes, she's at the Sword in the Stone, and you know, is she is he? Especially you know, looking ahead into what happened in the rest of the episode, is is he speaking specifically about Excalibur, or is this a metaphor? It's like you're going to have the chance to remove, you know, Excalibur from the stone, but do not do it. Is is it? Are we meant to take that literally? And at this point, I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, Excalibur we see is already out of the stone. So, is is there something like? Is it more of like a Pandora's box reference? Are like you going to have the chance to to do something that's irreversible? You know, resist the temptation and don't do it. So, I think that's something I'm looking forward to seeing. The uh, uh, yeah, you make a Big Brother reference yeah, there, Mike. Say, don't pull Excalibur <laughs> for the stone, or Jesse Goddard's will come out and take all your junk food away. <laughs> Santa Jesse, Sir Sir Jesse, Jesse Claus, yeah, Sir Jesse, Jesse of the Lake. Oh no! (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say, and this is sort of my gripe about the whole prophecies trope in general, is like, I, I, I sort of feel like if I was a prophet, I would try to not make things as vague as possible. So I'm glad he sort of specified things by saying, you know, don't pull the sword from the stone. But for him starting out being like, you're going to do something bad in your life. Don't do it. Like, well, and then he realizes he, he realizes he's talking to a nine year old. He's like, OK, I got to make this more specific. Yeah. Well, he, and he also definitely I mean, great job, Usher. You let her down the path right there. Oh, wait, she's a criminal at, at large that fosters a child, abandons it. Uh, and then she, she eventually makes everything right, though. We'll see that comes uh, to sour soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. But let's uh, fast forward to. An indeterminate period of time, because we are yes. changing realms here. After the credit image, we are in the Enchanted Forest. Uh, we get our first image of our medieval storyline here. There are several riders galloping across. It is Blancelot. It is what we'll soon find out is King Arthur, uh, who's got a nice little beard going on. And then there's a couple of other red shirts going on. <laughs> they literally wore red shirts. I actually had note of that. And, you know, uh, I was like, oh, no, are they going to die? Um, but, you know, I, I was actually watching this with the uh, with the closed captioning on. And yeah, at times they will give away the name of the character speaking if the voice is coming from off screen. And I was wondering if like, it was one of these Galahad or Percival or, or, or what have you. But, you know, we, we really only, the only named ones we get are Arthur and Lancelot. Yeah, though, well, I think the guy who so they, they go to the lake and they find Excalibur in the stone yeah. I believe the guy who tries to grab it first I think his name is Cage no K Sir K K-A-Y Okay, I heard Cage, uh, yeah. which makes me maybe I should play it with uh, subtitles on now because it made me think like oh is this a relative of like Nicholas Cage um, no. so apparently sirs A through J also died <laughs> yes, exactly. well death. you keep dying so we're not even going to name you anymore we're just going to give you a letter <laughs> And then we'll go to numbers. Then we'll go to numbers. Yeah, they'll, they'll, we, don't, we shouldn't get 26 of these, so we should be good with letters. Yeah, so Sir K uh, becomes DOA as he tries to pull the sword I, from the stone. Yeah, part of the Excalibur legend that I was not familiar with, I thought you just kind of like maybe damaged your pride as opposed to getting your pride completely vaporized and turned into pride dust yeah what sort of magic is that that is like other that is like like star trek-esque speaking of red shirts like vaporizing technology yeah. I mean, that's you 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 really want to be sure before you just have, well it, it also seemed like it was like the equivalent of like you know some sort of pressure gauge going into the red like at a certain point I, I would have like gave, given it a yank and then let go and like just like walked away but he seemed to like like, could you have let go before it reached critical? <laughs> That's true. And to be fair to Sir K, he probably shouldn't have, like, said out loud, hey, I'm going to pull this sword out so I'll be the king because I'm greedy. Like, he could have, maybe if he internalized <laughs> that, the sword would have accepted him more. Yeah, you kind of have to lay out your business plan. Yeah, you can't to, monologue. To, 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 uh, I like what you're doing, Sir K, uh, but unfortunately, I'm not going to let you pull me out of the stone. Yeah, exactly. But Arthur... Uh, as as the legend says, he does pull the sword out. But oh, in true Once Upon a Time fashion, we have a twist on the classic tale as only half of the sword is in the stone. And I actually love this little twist right at the beginning that it turns out the other half of the sword is the dagger. That's yeah, that's really good. I it seemed to me that it was like maybe a little bit more than half the sword is yeah. actually in the stone. <laughs> like that would be if that was half the sword. That's like that's like quite like you couldn't really put that into a scabbard without it like dragging on the ground three feet behind you. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, that is kind of that was a really cool twist, especially when we we saw the the superimposed image of the dagger. Um, and and so this this is really making me 
my, I had like paused and think about what does this imply over the, you know, the history of the dark ones. And it, it, it nicely ties in the whole dark one mythology with Merlin and that whole mythology. So I, I, I thought that was a really clever twist. Yep. I completely agree. Cause I think one of the problems that once upon a time had um, in like seasons two, three, and arguably the beginning of four is that it's always difficult to like if you're trying to bring in a new theme for this for the half season to tie it back to the main action um and i feel like this is a perfect way of doing it by like you said connecting it to the mythos of the dark one and us really saying okay this is why they have to go to camelot and this is why camelot people have a vested interest in in the dark one stuff so i feel like Mm -hmm. when you get both parties kind of interested in each other uh i think you you make magic happen literally yeah. And, and and also, I think this is also we kind of learned this over the course of the episode um, and correct me if I'm wrong. So Camelot is part of the Enchanted Forest. It's not a separate realm from it, uh, just like, you know, um, Ariel's king's you know kingdom is part of the enchanted forest world mm-hmm. um yeah that, that, I, I, okay. I believe so because i from what i remember the other like big um we saw we've seen like camelot as stuff a couple more times there was the stuff yeah. with the lake um and there was the one yeah, uh, the one uh, mm-hmm. kind of really bad flashback episode where it was uh snow white and prince charming and like he wanted to boost her confidence so <laughs> they pulled the sword from the stone and then they fought medusa for some reason um but yeah so it's, i think it's in that realm <laughs> she would have sucked if she got vaporized when she tried that if it had actually been the yeah, that, wait a minute, that's, wait, that's true oh wait it was a fake excalibur i forgot about yeah that. yeah yeah yeah, if it had been the real one, that would have been kind of a, a foolhardy errand to send your your you know loved one on. Um, <laughs> luckily, it was a fake one. Yeah. Uh, so cutting back to the action of Storybrook in true Once Upon a Time fashion, we cut immediately to the action that preceded the previous episode with Emma deciding to take the Dark One title upon her and disappearing into with a, a you know a, a trademark cyclone there and. Everyone is sort of flabbergasted at what just happened. We have a variety of reactions. Uh, Well, not variety so much as like everyone's angry, but Regina, basically, um, (laughs) who seems to be definitely the most level headed person by far this episode. Angry and in denial. Like, you know, Regina's pretty much everyone's like Snow's trying to say that, you know, that Emma's still good and we don't know where she. And I love that Regina points out, you know, she got sucked up in a vortex of evil. She didn't ride away in a unicorn. She's she's evil now. Yeah. Regina was also like snipping at these one liners this week. It's like right. We're at like minute seven of the show and she calls uh, she gives um, Hook the nickname Guyliner right off the bat. <laughs> That, that that but that seems dated almost. That seems like something she should have whipped out a couple of years ago. Well, that's also like I don't know. I don't know if, if loss exists in this world. Probably not because there's you know Mister Mister Clucks and everything. But that is a uh, that's a Richard <laughs> Alpert nickname, Regina. True, true. Um, and I did like Hook's move to summon Emma with the dagger. I, I thought that that was like quick thinking, and you know it didn't work. But I thought that was quick, nice, nice, quick thinking. Yeah, well, that was that was what we brought up, too. That was what we said immediately, I think, following our, our season four finale podcast. Like, OK, just grab the dagger and say, come back. But they definitely <laughs> thought they they took the four months to think their way out of that one. <laughs> Why didn't that work? Why couldn't? It? Oh, OK, yeah, she. But it's pretty, you know, she's not she's not here. Um, yeah, I, I am kind of curious at what point. um at, at what point the linkage between the sword and the dagger and Camelot, at, at when that if did, when that was crafted in relation to the finale of last series, uh, like it, like it almost seems like they do a really good job of of almost making the premiere 
seamlessly uh, come out of the finale. And so I have to believe that there was some forethought there. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm giving them benefit of the doubt. So as we said, Emma is in another world. Uh, we get the retuner of this like black goo. I think the last time we saw this was uh, with Zelina's vault. Uh, I think this is like what made like Rumpelstiltskin come to life when when Neil uh, died. So this is uh, I, I guess it, it symbolizes yeah. like coming into existence almost. It, it almost seems like it's a for 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 the gamers out there. It's like the respawn point for the dark one. Like whenever the new dark one comes, this is kind of where they you know they 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 form. And I, I also I also had it re, I also had it described as goo in my notes. So uh, we have a match there, Mike Bloom. Yes, we both <laughs> we both love our black goo. Uh, oh you, dear! Did you, did you enjoy uh, Did you enjoy Emma's cloak in the forest? We'll talk about her dark swan outfit later, but. It's uh, uh, definitely definitely patchy, I would say. Patchy and a little frayed. Mm, we don't have a match. I have ratty, not oh, patchy. Oh, <laughs> we, were, we were close in like the first like two letters. I put but, raggedy in mine. Yeah, the um, – but, you know, it, it did stand out as like I, I was very much – I think it's funny. We were both thinking like what the hell is she wearing? Um, and, and just like uh, and just like Elsa in, in, in the last, uh, last go-around, she's going to be probably stuck wearing this for the entire season. Yeah, I, which stinks because, uh, you know, uh, Jessica Frey asked me which do you prefer, the, the dark swan stuff or the, uh, or the medieval clothing. Give me dark swan every day of the week. Uh, I got to go medieval clothing. Oh, really? Yeah. Like in, in terms of there's just something when we get we, when we get to the reveal of Dark Swan uh, and, and it, now, you know, going back to the 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 Bloom recommended movie list for Clark. Uh, do I have to watch Black Swan to enjoy this season? No, please don't. Uh, okay. funny, it's a funny story about Black Swan, actually. Temporary tangent. I went to go see that movie one New Year's Eve. It was playing in two theaters right next to each other. So I walked into one theater and I sat down and I saw the first the last 10 minutes of the movie first before realizing <laughs> I was like, wow, they're laying a lot on us right now. And then once I saw the credits roll, I'm like, Oh, I saw the wrong movie. So then I came back and I mean, it was interesting to kind of watch. Uh, it's sort of like the end of this episode where I sort of had to see, get, got to see where the breadcrumbs were leading up to it. But yeah, the ending of black Swan got spoiled for me uh, <laughs> accidentally. Is it really spoiled? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. The last 10 minutes are, bat poo insane compared to the rest of the movie <laughs> black black goo black goo insane black goo insane uh so emma comes into existence raggy ratty cloak over her head and we have the uh we were worried i think about what robert carlisle was gonna do now that he's sort of in in a coma in Storybrooke. And it turns out the Reiners found a use for him. He is sort of the disembodied spirit of the Dark One, and he is here to kind of educate Emma as to what the Dark One is. Yes, to give her the Dark 101, as it were, right? Oh, Michael? yes. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. I appreciate that. Listen, we're in good, you're in good company with puns here. <laughs> oh, don't worry. That's, I think that's the only one I have. <laughs> well, so I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Kurt, because I think we've, you know, we've seen this like a few times i can't think of any um big examples outside of there is a certain show that uh recently wrapped up its first season that i will not spoil for anyone but it does use this trope as well uh, of the sort of uh omniscient uh wise one but who isn't actually there did did you like how they were using rumpelstiltskin for this um i was okay with it as as long as you know, if it's if it had started to go down the road 
of is he really there or isn't he or is he, you know, projecting into her head or versus is it an internal voice and it's in her all along? Um, if it was starting to go down that road, I might have enjoyed it less. Um, but it didn't really it didn't really seem to have much weight. I mean, there were some scenes where it was very obvious that he wasn't there, that it was at least mm-hmm. in her head in some way. Um so no, I, I I was okay with it. How about you? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it again because I'm happy sort of like tying in the dagger to the sword that the writers were able to find something creative because obviously Robert Carlyle is gives one of the best performances on this show. And it, even though I do think Gold will get out of his coma eventually, it would be really sucky to have him be, you know, basically lying there uh, in a stupor for the first few episodes of this season. And to have him be Rumpelstiltskin again, because of the lack of flashbacks, we like barely see him be able to do that. We get it maybe like once or twice every story arc. So to have him be here, and I, I do like... Uh, him kind of being the metaphorical devil on her shoulder because this episode's all about Emma still trying to resist the powers of becoming the dark one. So to have him there as a literal manifestation of giving into temptation and giving into the dark side is a lot of fun. Right. Although, there, I mean, there were a... Um there, there were a few. I mean, there were several points though where it's like where I think we're meant to believe that uh, this isn't just uh, Emma's... There's some sort of there's some sort of dark well we would say he takes the form uh, initially of Rumpelstiltskin but then, then turns into you know a big fire breathing dog so I think uh, there is some intelligent entity here that is trying to tempt her or guide her because there are several points down the road where you know where uh he describes the pillar, the, the hill of stones to Emma so she can yeah. go there. And and he describes the purpose and the way that the will-o'-wisps work. Um, so there's definitely an intelligent entity there. Yeah. Um, and it, I, 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 like I said earlier, I was I was cool with it. But upon reflection, and this is me now thinking back to yesterday, there was an awful lot of Emma no, I'm not going to give in. No, I'm not going to give in. Temptation. No, I'm not going to give in. And you know, maybe there could have been a little bit less of that. I think we kind of get the idea. Um, but I didn't. I wasn't really too taken aback by it. Yeah, a uh, couple of things on that. Uh, first, I will say I, I did like him transforming into. I think he called it Gorgon the Invincible. Uh, oh, yes. Apparently, another dark one. Which I want that story. I want to hear about the dark one that was apparently this giant, like fire-breathing warthog, uh, because that does not seem like something that could like take possession of a dagger. Um, I almost feel like Rumpelstiltskin in this episode is sort of like the dark one equivalent of Clippy, the Microsoft Office paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> it appears that you're trying to kill a grown woman. Would you like help with that? Uh, so yeah, you, and, you, and you could customize Clippy to have it look however you wanted to. You didn't have to go with Clippy. Yeah, um, it, so it, that's it, like it, that too. It could be a dog. Uh, it could be a cat. I'm trying to remember the other ones, but. Uh, my my Microsoft Office ninety eight memories are are but a, a distant memory at this point. Uh, but as you said, Emma is sort of this is her mo. This episode is that she's going to refuse to go bow down to the dark side, and her first stop is to just find Merlin. And speaking of the sorcerer, let's go to his apprentice here, who apparently is not dead. <laughs> Uh, he's not dead yet. He's not dead yet. He's <laughs> feeling happy. Um, <laughs> I feel happy. Uh, though I, I think he gets metaphorically hit in the face with the frying pan here. Uh, but he's he's alive. We I guess we underestimated, uh, or I guess we overestimated the the power that 
the, the darkness sapping into him had. But they go to him to ask where Emma went, and he sort of gives this exposition here where he says, you know, she went to all where all the darkness is born in the original realm, and he produces a nicely convenient wand that Merlin gave him uh, that can take them to another realm, but it needs a... I guess it needs a combination of like light and dark magic to get yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what, well, I guess maybe, you know, Regina would have been the best contender for that. I yeah. guess I was like, she's got this, but apparently she doesn't. Yeah. I mean, she's the best example um, of like shades of gray that we have on the show right now. <laughs> More than 50. Um, <laughs> so it's, it, it, it was interesting though. Like as we see later on, it, I almost got the impression that you almost like, I don't know if you need to like to join, he like have a, a, you know, a person from the light side and the dark side, uh, of, of, of the wand, um, kind of both jointly hold it and try to use it. Like, I wasn't sure how it had to be wielded with the light and the dark, if you could get two people to wield it together, but, um, they needed somebody a little bit more wicked than Regina. Yeah. yeah. As it were. So uh, literally, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes as I, I, I know, I know that uh, Rebecca Mater became like a series regular over the summer, and I was, I, I didn't know how, in what capacity they were going to use her, but it seems like they are, they're going whole hog with her right now, and I'm not talking about Gorgon the Invincible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm glad they're tapping into her more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we go back to Camelot here, and Emma runs into what seems to be a bound of the Enchanted Forest, which are random merchants just walking along the road. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> this one does not have nefarious purposes, a la Isaac, who I think was the last like random merchant we saw. But but she this tries, guy's this guy's cart seemed a little smaller. Yeah, well, she tries. To, I mean, this poor guy. She just tries to ask for directions, and he wants he's a he wants to pinch some money out of her, and she gets angry and accidentally force chokes him. <laughs> Dude, that's like ding 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 hashtag force choke. I also have that as as how I described it. Oh, absolutely. And this is not going to be the last Star Wars reference that's going to be made on this podcast because there's one not. coming up in about ten minutes. Yeah, the uh, guy we would be doing great if this was the match game. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So Emma's sort of this is sort of Emma's other MO is that even when she wants to resist using the dark one powers, they almost seem to happen unconsciously to her. Yeah. She like glances down at her hand in surprise and sees that it's like, Oh, like, you know, you know, crinkled up and, you know, kind of like trying to hide the fact from the rest of the body that the hand is actually, you know, choking this guy. Yeah. I love that. It's a little like spoiler alert for fight club, a little like Tyler Durden esque in that she's not even realized she's not, doesn't even realize that she's doing it. And that's sort of, that's sort of like Rumpelstiltskin taking over her part of the body. Yeah. So let's oh. go, let's go back to bell right now because we're not going to see a lot of bell in the rest of this episode, but we got to have a way for bell to get tied back into the main, uh, action thread here where, we have the mother superior helpfully come in as she's watching over her unconscious husband to tell her like, well, you could, you could definitely help the heroes out. So why don't you go help them and I'll, I'll take care of him and stay off screen for the majority of this story arc. Yeah. And, and, and it's a nice tie back to the uh, beauty and the beast, the movie, the, the cartoon. Cause I believe that, you know, the, rose that slowly you know wilts away as you know time goes by and as kind of a you know an hourglass of sorts was uh, i think that was a a an item in the beauty and the beast movie and that's what the mm-hmm. the blue fairy you know bell's reluctant to leave because she doesn't want to you know leave 
you know, gold as he's lying there. And so she kind of, it's almost like this life alert rose where it'll go off the moment that, that, you know, if, if gold falls further and can't get up, then, you know, she'll find out through the rose. Yeah. I, I will say, I love the reference to it. That being said, I question the logistics of it. First, yeah. she has to lug around a giant rose in a, in a glass case. Like, I feel like a pendant would work. Secondly, it also <laughs> made me kind of realize like, in, and I love it, but in the Once Upon a Time universe, I feel like nobody, like, I wish they had phones so they could, like, text each other these types of things. You know, it always seems like, I'll give you this magical compass, and when it turns east, that means that you must come back and serve this purpose. Like, nobody actually tells each other things. They give each other magical objects that once it fills a certain uh, purpose or turns to a certain uh, circumstance, then that means it's a signal that they need to do something. Yeah, it, it great in concept, less 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 good in practice. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Belle's gonna be in Camelot for six weeks. I I don't know what she's gonna do if she sees that rose <laughs> wilt. Yeah, yeah, we we don't really know that there's an escape plan necessarily. So it's a lot of a lot of anxiety built into that gift from the blue fairy. Yeah, if anything, it's gonna be worse if she's stuck in Camelot and she just has to watch her lover slowly die via the the rose petals falling off of the of the stem. Yeah, nothing, nothing like a timer to help de- decrease your stress yes, levels. Absolutely. Uh, so speaking of insane concepts, we go to Zelina here as uh, she is literally locked up where the insane are in the psych ward as we last left her. And she's uh, she's totally at yoga. She's meditating <laughs> when they come in and talk to her. But first, first, we get a little bit of Emma and rump stuff here. And we get the introduction of our magical item this week, which is a wisp. Uh, which I guess yes. is short for whisper because you whisper your wish into it. Uh, and it is a tiny blue ball that just sort of darts around. Well, actually, it's a reference to the Will of the Wisp, which is like is in in folklore. Uh, you know, if people go into swamps, they would often it was often attributed to swamp gas. They'd often see lights kind of in the distance in the swamp. And if you tried to follow these Will of the Wisps, then you would actually. You know, they said that they would actually you'd never be able to catch one and it would end up leading you to your doom. So uh, catching them uh, was was very, very difficult. And, you know, I think that the idea came from from swamp gas. So I think it's more like wisps of glowing energy as opposed to whisper, although you do have to whisper to it. But it's actually it's actually something that um, uh, in olden times uh, supposedly existed in, in swamps and marshes. Wow. I did not realize that once upon a time riders were such botanists. Yeah. Well, yeah, just it's just swamp gas, you know, just uh, just swamp gas. That's really the magic that ex- will exist. Then uh, this story arc is all going to be about swamp gas. Yes, <laughs> everything. Uh, the, the other bit of magic mythos that we get this little segment is that apparently part of the Dark One's powers is that if they just imagine a place uh, sort of like Harry Potter, uh, it's basically a version of apparating where you just need to imagine the location you're going and you can basically teleport yourself there. That's pretty handy. I would, and, that, I would and, say so. and it seems pretty neutral in terms of like, like, you know, um, good versus evil. And like, we don't know, like has at this point, like, can we say for sure that, uh, like when go- when, when Rumpelstiltskin turned into the dark one, it wasn't like he had existing magic, uh, that was replaced with dark one magic. He yeah, went no. from being a mortal to, or nor- a normal to, uh, to, to being the dark one. And so given that Emma was able to cast light magic before now, I'm just wondering, is that there still, does she have light magic and dark magic? Is it sublimated? Is it gone? Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I ask that is that I think I could very well rationalize to myself, you know, you know what, this magical te- teleportation 
is pretty handy. And maybe this isn't exactly dark magic, and I'm perfectly fine doing it. Yeah, I, it's an, you bring up a very interesting point that, I mean, Emma does have magic already in her when she became the Dark One, whereas I feel like whether it was Zoso or whether it was Rumpelstiltskin, neither one of them, I think, were magical beforehand. So I wonder if Emma's going to be the most like powerful Dark One of all because she already had magic powers and add the Dark One powers on top of that. That's a really uh, interesting idea. Yeah, she, she she wields gray magic. It's it's the uh, fifty shades of gray magic. Fifty shades of it. Yes. We talked so much about shades of gray last story arc. I feel like we have to get them all out right now. Oh, there'll be more. <laughs> That's a well we can keep going to. Well, let's go back to the psych ward here. Uh, as Zelina sort of is Zelina. Zelina. I have to say it like Giles. That's because he's haunting you, right? That's what the specter is. Uh, But that's so she's sort of taunting them, talking about how, you know, taunting Robin, saying he was a patsy to get her a child. Um, And we get the (laughs) awkward moment. (laughs) Yeah, very, very awkward. But I guess it's a way to sort of reintroduce that just in case people forgot, because it has been several months. Um, So neither neither of them enjoyed what they had to do to get there yeah uh <laughs> trying to keep trying to keep this pg yeah i mean they were married kurt so you know it's very it's it's, 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 uh, okay. it's basically it's a, basically commonplace nowadays because those two very very attractive people they, so I, I, i'm sure that there was some enjoyment there. i'm sure that child is going to be gorgeous but it will be brought up in a loveless household and for that i <laughs> i am unfortunate but they'll probably grow up to be at this rate to be like sebastian the crab so who, who knows yeah. <laughs> awkward <laughs> that's somehow related to henry <laughs> yeah um so so, so they try to present the wand to zelina and we get the nice uh convenient reminder that zelina also has this magic bracelet on her which brent wolgamot brought up to me i think was first used in season two with like the greg and tamara stuff where basically if you have the bracelet on uh you're not allowed to use magic I and mean, i wonder maybe is that what uh, abby maria from survivor was coveting so much <laughs> probably yeah she was she was she was hoping to although i don't know why she would want that unless she was hoping to use it on somebody else yeah well now she feels like she needs it so that she can put it on rc so that rc can't use her her uh dark one powers to take over twitter yeah it uh i, I just need to find a bracelet for myself apparently i just i just need <laughs> so uh she examines the wand and she sort of continues to taunt uh people she she brings up the fact that okay we need an object of emma's to open the portal that seems to be the key to like all magic spells in once upon a time is that you need an object of that person's possession uh and at the end of their conversation she sort of taunts hook about uh utilizing her for help and that sort of uh plants a seed in his head that's going to come to fruition very soon yeah it's um on the on the first point regarding the portal i think that i that I wonder if that is just uh, regarding this wand. I'm trying to remember if they had to kind of if the magic hat needed an item uh, as as well. Uh, do you remember? I remember, the- I remember specifically the example that I was using was that I remember for a locator spell specifically they keep oh, okay. harping on over and over again that you need an object from the person that you're trying to look for. Yeah. Well. You know, and if you, you know what, if, you, if you're going to want Zelina's help, you're going to have to get that damn bracelet off. That's, that's just the long, the short of it. Yep, that's basically what it comes down to. <laughs> so Ugh. we go back to the Enchanted Forest here, and this is where we get the introduction to. We can, I guess we can call, you know, Arthur and that Usher new characters, but this is our first, like, full-fledged new character 
It is Merida from the movie Brave. Now, Kurt, I know you tried to avoid <laughs> casting spoilers over the course of the summer. Did you know that Merida was coming onto the show? Yeah, I knew that we were going to see Brave. <laughs> her name is Merida, Kurt. Whatever. She's, you know what? She's brave to me. I refuse to call her Merida. <laughs> So, uh, overall, and we'll, we'll dive a lot more into her character in general. We saw, like, glimpses of her uh, throughout this first episode. What was your general impression of seeing Merida? Have, have you seen Brave before? Nope. <laughs> I watched it a long time ago when it first came out, I think in 2012. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not usually the... The Pixar movies that are that are like not uh, humorous are probably not the biggest draws for me in the first place, but I definitely enjoyed it i thought it had good themes it's an interesting poll i mean i guess if you're going with like yeah. the medieval theme brave is the one movie that is really set during that time that we haven't uh you know we've already done sleeping beauty and snow white so we we wanted to find more stuff in that sort of realm of um of genre but it, i thought she was i thought she weaved pretty well into the stuff going on yeah um you know, if they're going to ignore my pleas to do Dumbo in the Jungle Book and they have to go with something recent, I, I, I'm OK with this. Um, it, I didn't get the sense going into the season. Like, Obviously, Frozen was such an overarching arc for the first half of last year. I, I had to watch Frozen before we got to the 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 season four premiere. Um, but this one, I'm not feeling like I need to necessarily watch brave to understand what's going on here. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, uh, she seems like, uh, she could go toe to toe with Robin hood in terms of shooting arrows. Yeah. I mean, she is, uh, she's definitely like a Katniss level archer, um, as shown with her skills here. Yeah. You really don't need to see, brave to get the sense of this character i mean she briefly brings up the sort of easter egg that she talks about like well at least you know at least it wasn't turned into a bear which was basically the pot of brave which is that she it's a a teenage girl who feels like very frustrated by uh, her relationship with her mother so she goes to a witch and makes like the spiteful wish that she is basically turned into a bear and the whole story is trying to get her back to normal and that they sort of bond so it's it's a very nice thing that hasn't been explored in a disney movie a lot before mostly because the mother is usually dead but i guess the events of brave then have happened in this realm but i guess sort of not since apparently like her parents are dead at this point and she's the queen of the kingdom and not and not being accepted by the people of the kingdom yes lots of <laughs> lots of menace in her kingdom <laughs> yes um and then and then she you know they both have different needs for this wisp. You know, Emma, Emma needs the wisp to find Merlin and, and brave (laughs) needs the wisp to find her kidnapped brothers. And she offers to fight Emma for it. Yeah, this was a, this was very (laughs) honorable of her, which I feel like we're going to see. We do not have a match there. I have in my notes, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like we're going to see like Devin Shepard levels of talk about honor and integrity, because I feel like not only is this talk about good versus evil, but I feel like that's like what the medieval time. Bro, I need this list for my daughter. Did I tell you I'm a dad? (laughs) I would rather, would you rather see Devin of the lake or Jesse of the lake? Jesse. Jesse of the lake. All right. We'll keep Devin at the bottom of the lake here. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so there she's uh well also so merida i i feel like i could understand a lot of she was what she was saying but maybe i need to 
uh, it's really need to turn on subtitles here because this was another warning sign here. I'm pre- I thought for a while until <laughs> until Rumpelstiltskin brought it up that she said the hail of stones, not the hill of stones. <laughs> I I you know allow me to let closed captioning come to your assistance here, Mike. Uh, yeah, it was the, the hill of stones. H I L L. Yeah, I was like, what 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 is a hail? Is it, is our rocks going to start raining from the sky and that's when you get your wish? No, no, no. Those are the trolls from Frozen, and we already have that last season. Yeah, that's true. Well, if you want, if you want to tie it all together, um, yeah. but it's, but it seems like they immediately almost become friends here. They sort of sympathize with each other's situation, so they decide to become traveling partners for now. Uh, meanwhile, back in Storybrooke, Hook finds Granny's, which will be a much more popular location later on in the episode than I think it has been the past year of episodes, um, and tries to kind of. He's he's grasping at straws here. And one of those straws is Henry, who says, hey, Henry, remember that time you became the author? Uh, why don't you write for Emma to come back? And this is one of those moments where this is one of those. Oh, yeah. Moments for me in the series in terms of forgot that he was the author and then promptly reminded me that he kind of. Uh, hobbled himself as it were by breaking the pen i mean we were we were reminded that he, he the, annie he annie wilkes himself <laughs> exactly <laughs> the penguin the, the penguin does not face that direction uh, um the uh that you know the authors again uh, just just a little bit of off we've, we've had dark 101 this is author 101 um the, the authors were meant to record history and to share it through the ages and were but they had the power to change reality but they were not allowed to and you know that's why isaac got into so much trouble so henry you know he broke the pen so that he wouldn't be tempted to use the magic to alter history and alter reality um and he didn't want to upset his you know his mother although every time that emma that that, sorry every time that henry talks about his mother i'm really not sure who he's talking about um uh but while you know using the pen to alter history uh might displease emma um Apparently, jailbreak uh, is is a okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, Henry seems to be. I I feel like Henry has a secret like affinity for like spy movies and like capers <laughs> because like between Operation, Operation Cobra, Operation Mongoose, Mongoose, and now this. I don't know. I would call this. Uh, I don't know. Operation uh, Earthworm because it's so like squirmy and uh, does not. It's sort of pitiful almost what happens. Um, I feel like he's just really into like. Oh, I want to sneak around and do stuff. <laughs> uh, one side note: I, I know that uh, <clears throat> uh, you didn't watch the pre-show to the uh, the fan show that preceded the premiere of Once Upon a Time. The only thing I really took a note of that is that uh, uh, Jared Gilmore, who plays Henry, his favorite season is season three because he gets to go to Neverland, and that is why I'm not a Henry fan. <laughs> <laughs> Bad judgment, kid. <laughs> it all comes together. <laughs> yeah well i mean i guess you know i guess but it was either that or like the season four finale because that's really the the most screen time he's gotten in the past two years of this show true, true. Um, so we go back to the enchanted forest and emma and merida have hunkered down for the night but emma is sort of having uh gollum and smeagol-esque thoughts here where rumblesilskin comes to him and basically says well, you know, it turns out, hey, remember that wisp? Well, it turns out only one person can use it. Whoops, I forgot to tell you about that before. So now you have to betray Merida. 
Well, it's, it says that only one person can. Here's a, this, this is my thinking. Like I, I'm on, I'm constantly thinking that uh, the the inner voice of the dark one is trying to uh, mislead uh, Emma and get her to use magic or the powers. Um, like we find out that dark ones don't need sleep and you need to get a hobby of some sort. Okay, good to know. Um, and it's it's told that you know. That if if Brave gets the wisp, then she'll own it, and and that Emma won't be able to. But I don't necessarily know. Like, like this, in the small print, I'm you know asking myself, well, does that mean that she wouldn't then be able to use it on Emma's behalf? Or I'm just so I'm just still kind of trying to figure out you know how much of what was said was a half truth. Um, but it did answer the question for me. Is uh, is Emma uh, doing the? Does Emma have an inner monologue here? And apparently yep. she doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, like you know, Merida is also sitting awake, uh, which I mean, it makes sense. I mean, she talked before in the in the in the show about how she's like ever vigilant and like hasn't slept in days. Um, and she kind of is like basically a badass here. So she's she's here basically, but she's basically just hearing Emma just sort of argue with herself in the middle of the night, which probably <laughs> even if Emma wasn't planning to betray her, does not speak well for your traveling companion. <laughs> yeah, uh, doesn't need to sleep. Power of the dark one in her monologues, not a power of the dark one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Yeah, so uh, we'll see that come to fruition a little bit, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about Operation Earthworm here. Uh, first off, Henry's able to get into the psych ward using his birthday as a code. Also, for such like a secret ward, it seems like everyone is really just utilizing this place now. It seems like it's not even hidden anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's like a revolving door at the head of it. <laughs> yeah, would are you surprised that Regina is one of those people that uses the same password on everything? No, not at all. No, I mean, how oh, heck hell I do. <laughs> I mean, considering that, like, also, we don't the technology in this uh, in this time period at Storybrooke is very nebulous. I mean, I don't think they have like a Google keychain to keep track of all their passwords to Storybrooke. <laughs> so and, and and I'm wondering, like, if everybody else, it'd be funny if the entire town was using Henry's birthday as a password. <laughs> <laughs> They can just get into any. I mean, that's probably why uh, Will Scarlet was able to rob things so easily. He just knew Henry's birthday and was able to get into anything at all. Yeah. So Hook propositions to Henry for them to use the Wookiee prisoner method, uh, which yes. brings which brings up several questions in my mind. First, when did Hook find the time to watch Star Wars? Well, you know, this was this was the method that they used when they broke Emma out of the lighthouse prison in the um, in the alternate storybook universe that Isaac wrote, because that's when uh, when they went into the prison. And I believe that uh, I can't remember who was leading who at that point. But, uh, you know, I believe Hook said that this is a prisoner from Kashyyyk. And I point out Kashyyyk is the Wookiee home planet. Um, and so I think it was it was a call back to that. So I'm yeah. guessing that that uh, when that plan was arrived at to break Emma out of that lighthouse or tower on the island where she was being kept prisoner, uh, maybe that uh, Henry would have given Hulk a little bit of the backstory on it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But also, I wonder, like, how would that come into effect here? Was Hook going to bring Henry in and be like, <laughs> oh, he's crazy now. We're going to put him in the crazy ward. <laughs> Has 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 Nurse Ratchet seen Henry before? Has Henry been down here before? I'm trying I, to remember. I, I think he 
has at some point. He I'm has assuming to have. He has to have been down. Everyone's been Everyone's down here been at some point, there. apparently. Um, it's it's the new grannies at this point. But, it's the second most popular spot to hang out. Um, the third is that random Italian restaurant that was in one one episode of this show. Yeah. But yeah, I it, I just don't know like how they would have actually used that. But instead, what they decide to go with is for Better Call Saul fans, this is basically the old bump and dump where uh, Henry <laughs> spills a drink on Nurse Ratched and she's so flustered by trying to clean up that Hook's able to basically sneak in. Yeah. Not really smooth, but you got the job done. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to remember, is this the first time that the name Nurse Ratched has outright been said? We've made the comparison before, but I don't think believe anyone's actually called her by name. Uh, you know, I was trying to look that up online yesterday, actually, and I can't remember where, what, where that panned out. It just kind of, I was focusing more on like, you know, if there was a other other tie-ins to uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, but I, I'm trying, this may be the first time it was purely, you know, called out. Yeah, though it, it is notable to know that the chief comparison, who is the large man with long hair mopping the floor, was not called chief. He was just called you cleaning. Yeah. So the bump and dump is successful as Hook is able to grab the keys and sneak in and uh, basically is going to get the bracelet off of Zelina. And But for some sort of collateral, uh, Hook, Hook thinks he's thinking one step ahead here by deciding to enchant his Hook once again to remove her heart. But turns out Zelina's thinking two steps ahead of him as she put a spell on herself a long time ago to repel that notion whatsoever. Yeah. Um it, it, did, I don't know if this I was trying to think back. Did Cora have her heart enchanted too? Or like I thought at one point, didn't Cora's heart get ripped out? Um I think so. I remember the one <clears> time <throat> that, that he that uh Hook had his hook enchanted was like he had to right. go yeah, you because know, he had it was because he had to go to Neverland to specifically take Cora's heart, but I think Cora convinced him not to take it and instead he did something with her father. I think I'm trying to remember that was, season. Yeah, sorry. there's a lot of season two references <laughs> in this podcast. The, um, I was trying to think of this. It was like a, a plan that ran in the family, but at the very least growing, you know, knowing that your, your, your sister is Regina and your mom is Cora, uh, you might want to, and, and some of their, you know, modus operandi, you might want to put this sort of protection on your heart. It seems to, you know, be something that's one of their go-to go-to gimmicks. Yeah. So I, I think that, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's sort of like, you know, when it's the best thing with Zelina is sort of like that tale of the scorpion where like the scorpion, some animal carries the scorpion across the river and the scorpion stings it. Like if you think you're actually helping Zelina, you're going to get burned no matter what. Uh, and yeah. in this case, it is as Zelina completely betrays him. She's able to grab his knife. Uh, she pulls a saw here, uh, <laughs> slash that guy from the beginning of Heroes Reborn and uh, slices <laughs> off her hand. And, and, I, and I keep forget. I keep having just done a four season rewatch of Heroes. I, I keep forgetting that like the witches and the magic users in Once Upon a Time, they don't just have one power. No. It's like, oh, what, she was able to do that. Well, yeah, she's a witch. She's able to do a lot of things, Kurt. Uh, and I was like, oh, so that's, that's that's heroes where they typically have a single power. And it's Once Upon a Time where they can where like Regina and Zelina can do a bunch of things. Yeah, just imagine everyone who's magic in Once Upon a Time is basically like a version of Peter Petrelli. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, she's able to I mean, it was only a temporary pain as she was able to uh, put on her handbag pretty clearly. And just now the bracelet's gone. So she kind of taunts Hook saying, you know, hey, you should have listened to Regina. And then she disappears. And this is going to be our 
kind of main cause of action for the Storybrooke storyline, which admittedly looking back, I'm not so high enough like, oh, great, this episode is going to be they have to find Zelina and stop her once again. But compare that to last uh, season four, episode one was them chasing around a giant snow monster around the town. So (laughs) you take the good with the bad. Yeah, and and it's it's I'm 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 rolling with it at this point. I'm 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 nothing nothing too egregious. So Hook admits what he did to the rest of the heroes, and uh, they start bickering amongst amongst each other. Uh, and the surprising voice of reason here, Kurt Snow White, in one of she does talk a little bit in some of the first few scenes, but really it's this scene and the stuff at the end that uh, she Jennifer Goodwin got her check this week. Yeah, yeah, she she's she's earned it so far. Yeah. So far, I got my eye on you. <laughs> so they decide, okay, let's stop our arguing. Let's get down to business. Let's find Zelina and save our daughter. Uh, we immediately cut to a scene where Regina went to the loft to go see Robin. And Kurt, when you saw the scene, who did you think Zelina was impersonating at first? Robin Hood. Yep, I did too. <laughs> you got us once upon a time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that they, I hope they assume that we, I hope they thought that we would assume Zelina was impersonating one of them, but I, if, if so, I'm glad that they pulled the rug out from under us a little bit, that it was her impersonating uh, Regina instead of Robin Hood. I like, though, that he completely picked up on that it wasn't Regina the moment he kisses her. Like, yeah. I don't know if he tasted the like the underlying greenness, <laughs> even though she's not green in Storybrooke. I think there's she probably still tastes green. Um, I don't know what that means. Uh, but he, he was able to tell right away when he kissed her that 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 she was Zelina. Well, to be fair, Zelina has been in a mental ward for some time right now. She probably has not brushed her teeth in a while. So That's true. she has horrible breath. You have to assume that it might be Zelina or that Regina just had like really bad Greek food right before coming over. <laughs> I do like to give the psych ward in Storybrooke the benefit of the doubt that they do a feed, bathe, allow them to brush their teeth. I mean, it's going to be a lot more expensive in the long run for them to actually have to go to a dentist than to actually maintain their dental uh, dental work. That's very true. So we get to our Storybrooke uh, standoff here where the heroes come to meet Zelina in the town who sort of has Robin in some sort of like magical vice grip here. And she basically wants to trade Robin for the apprentice this is a wand because she's basically going to say i'm going to use this wand to create my own portal back to oz because i finally have a baby who will love me unconditionally because i will make that baby love me unconditionally (laughs) even though it will grow up to be sebastian the crab uh so i'm getting i'm getting out of here but when zelina thought she thought one steps ahead the heroes thought two steps ahead this time well kind of (laughs) i mean yeah 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 i guess so um well, first of all, I thought so. Was was Zelina actually threatening to throw Robin Hood through the clock? I I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, that would have been. Didn't didn't she do that to? Um, uh, she did that to uh, Snow White's friend. Uh, in oh, one of those episodes. Yeah. Remember, she like dropped her from the clock tower. So she's capable yeah. of doing it. She yeah she she knows, she knows the structural integrity of that clock face. Yeah. Um, I I guess they were thinking a couple steps ahead. I mean. Well, here, here's the, the couple couple things I don't understand is if it's supposed to be light and dark to use it, then it, I, I was also thinking that Zelina shouldn't be able to use the wand on her own either. And then I wasn't sure. Well, it's like, does do you need the dark person to to use the wand to summon the portal? But then the light person has to direct it or like, I didn't know what the apprentices words really meant about light and dark together both sides of the coin needing to operate it um but 
Yeah, I guess if they said, well, we'll let her use it to summon the portal, but then that will weaken her and then we'll be able to kind of cut her involvement off at that point. I guess that's kind of thinking ahead. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I will say immediately, that's a little bit of a leap in logic there. Like, oh, of course, when she uses the magic to make the portal, that she'll immediately be weakened. But I guess it was a correct assumption to make as that exact thing happens. They're able to get the bracelet on her again, and she's susceptible once more. And you think I would be more familiar with the rules of portals at this point and when we're in season five. But I thought what happened is you summoned a portal to a particular place when, in fact, it seems like you summon a portal. And then it's not until you use it that you need to direct it on where you want it to take you. Yeah, I guess it depends. Uh, it's sort of like it, it functions more as the uh, as the portal gun from the game portal rather than just a general <laughs> portal. Yeah, it it. um Although it's a little bit strange that a portal in a cyclone will not take you to Oz. It will take you to Storybrooke. Yeah. And, and, and I've said before when we've covered it is that I am a huge uh, Oz fan. Um, like you having read all of the different, you know, you know, the, the 15 plus Oz novels when I was in elementary school. I was actually part of me hoping that we were going to end up in uh, end up in Oz for a bit as well. Uh, but no dice. We're back to the enchanted forest. No, this is the this is the premiere Kurt. We got to we got to get things immediately yes. crammed in apparently. Um, yeah. so back to the enchanted forest. Emma wakes up to find that Meredith is understandably gone, uh, whether that was due to the betrayal comments or the fact that she was talking to herself. We're still not sure of. Uh, Rumble Silskin's constantly in her ear saying, "Well, you're going to have to kill her eventually. You know that, right?" Um, but Emma is so desperate enough that she decides to finally give in to her Dark One powers, at least the one that makes her apparate. And uh, she pictures the Hill of Stones, and we get transported to the Hill of Stones ourselves, which is basically like a uh, low-budget Stonehenge. <laughs> they, they had to reuse the troll extras from last season, just kind of stack them on top exactly, of each other. Exactly, right. We could just stand on each other's shoulders. Uh, we'll just kind of we'll, we'll throw a, a blanket over you. <laughs> They're going to start singing. Everyone's going to freak out. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I, I like to think that that the the apparition ability is not so dark, and that she can do that as much as she wants to. I'm, I, I, I give her those the seal of approval to to go ahead and keep doing that. That's weird though, because I feel like I mean, again, probably the 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 most good person who's used it is Regina, but I feel like only the evil characters have this capability who are who can disappear yeah, in a true. puff of smoke. That's true. Maybe I mean I don't know if, if uh, correlation is necessarily causation here, but it de- it's a weird association. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see which way that causation would potentially go. Is it like teleporting makes you evil, or is it that evil people teleport? <laughs> uh, I always knew the, the crew of the Enterprise were a bunch of assholes. <laughs> Just Scotty. Just he, Scotty. He was, he, he was an enabler. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this big cyclone portal scene going on. At Granny's here. Uh, it's some, a twister. It's a twister. Some some arguable logic going on here. Um, you would understand it from a storytelling perspective that you basically got all your major characters. Uh, they all kind of figured out, okay, we're, we got to get in Granny's. We're going to get trans. That's how we're going to get transported to where Emma is. But the fact that they all decided to get in there, I feel like was not great planning on their part. Well, I don't know if the plan was like, I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> did the did the apprentice wake up and give them more instructions on how stuff worked, or did somebody have a better working knowledge of cyclones and tornadoes than than we do? But like, does it only act as a portal at the once it reaches where the wand is? It's like, is it like trail of destruction, trail of destruction, portal? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, like, did or you know, does the 
because we've seen that the, the twister doesn't necessarily need a house to to move people. Um, I, I'm just, it, but it's it seemed to work. I mean, the, the way the way I figured, the way, and I guess that's the way I kind of understood it was that it would go to where the wand was. It would proceed to suck that whatever's in that region into it, and it would teleport it. Um, and they all, you know, I think you, if you if you've got you know the um, the savior turning into a dark one. You want all hands on deck in terms of a squad that you're going to be sending away to 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 save her. I guess so, but I'm thinking of like when they and they, and they only brought half the dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking of and we'll get to that, but I'm thinking of like when they went to Neverland and when you know uh, when Gold specifically tells Bell no, stay behind. I feel like even just have that residual plan of have someone you know stay behind. Um, so that they can like take care of the town in case I don't know <laughs> random other people come into it, or even just like you know municipal needs like if, if like the entire which is the any any and everybody who's ever been involved with the sheriff position is gone yeah. the mayor is gone um, like the, you know if if Will Scarlet can come back to town uh, and and just you know. And and somehow you know reappear in, in our in our lives again. Uh, this is a perfect time for him to run rampant. Absolutely, yeah. He he can he can rule this town theoretically, and I think it goes. It's definitely indicative that they have Sneezy of all people as the sheriff <laughs> of the. T- I don't know what their what their voting process was like amongst the. I don't know three people left in town, but I have to poke another hole in here. Why why, why do you bring Zelina with you? Um. Well, if everybody's going and you leave her behind. <laughs> but you're just, you're opening up this huge, you're opening up a huge portal yourself to be like, oh, let me let this like decisively evil person into this random open world where they can very easily get away from me. Because oh, she's been, I mean, the, she's been to the Enchanted Forest before. So she, and I think her castle's still there or it wasn't her castle. I think she took over the castle. Um, yeah. Did, did they get the bracelet back on her? They did get the bracelet back on her. Oh, then we're fine. <laughs> I, I don't know. Just, just watch your knives. Watch your knives and swords so she doesn't cut herself again. She's I, a cutter. <laughs> I, I know. I, I know. I don't know. I just, I, and I feel like, you know, I'm very surprised that she was able to follow them into Camelot. I feel like if I was Zelina, as soon as everyone falls down on the ground, if they're like relatively distracted, I'm just going to run away. Ah, maybe the twister wasn't coming for wherever the wand was, but maybe the twister was going to come and take her. And so by necessity, she had to be there oh, in order for the twister to work. That's smart. I didn't think of that. That could be that's a good point, maybe because it was like all oh, the target was automatically set on Zelina. Uh, they can. Though I don't know how they were able to then change the target from Oz to the Enchanted That's, Forest. It's a two-step process. Step one, summon a portal. Step two, guide the portal where to take you as you go through it. Step three, profit. Step three, profit. <laughs> but not um, the ones in the in the movie theater. Exactly. So that yeah, that, again, I had thought that the, you you summon a portal to Oz. No, you summon a portal, and then when you're getting about to jump into it, uh, then you have to kind of direct it where you want it to take you. And so she was too weakened to actually direct it, and they that's why they enchanted the, you know Emma's blanket to be the the key, as it were, uh, the key master gatekeeper, that whole thing. So um, I think we just explained it. All right. Re- reason thing number three here. Why? Why bring your infant child? <laughs> what, what purpose is there bringing your infant child? Well, here's the point. If you leave Zelina behind, if you leave the infant child behind, 
there's not gonna be anyone around to watch them because everybody's going is this so like, like is this like the storybook example of like the fox and the rabbit and the cabbage <laughs> if you leave the infant behind then either charming or snow has to stay behind and do we really want to get into like 10 minutes of them arguing which of them has to stay and which of them has to get, get to the travel <laughs> that's true no. That's true. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit of meta stuff here, Kurt, because you were just speaking about it before. Uh, (laughs) We have Leroy come in in the middle of this. He's sort of Leroy Jenkins, this scene a little bit. And he he says he basically goes into this entire monologue about we've been on the sidelines for far too long. We haven't been on many adventures. We're ready to go on an adventure, though. There only are three dwarves going Uh, overall. And I'll loop I'll lump Granny into this thing as well, because we really haven't seen her in a while. I believe the last time we really saw both of them or her and the dwarves were uh, when the spell of shattered sight hit and they all started fighting each other. Uh, if we're going to assume that these characters are going to be used in a larger capacity this season, does that excite you? Uh, does it sort of disappoint you? Uh, I'm two thirds excited. And and that one third does not include grumpy. <laughs> oh. I've, I've always thought, I mean, I understood from a, from a cost of, of casting and, you know, uh, perspective that it's going to be expensive to have seven dwarves on your cast and to give them equal weight. And, and they had to choose Lee Aronson's, uh, I believe his name is uh, to kind of be the voice, the, the, the mouthpiece for the dwarves and to be the most prevalent. And, you know, we got his backstory um, more than any of the others, but it was, it was nice. I believe is it happy and doc that are with them. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if the middle one was happy or dopey. I forget. I'm pretty but. sure. It's, I'm pretty sure he's not dopey. I'm pretty sure he's happy. Well, yeah, this is happy. Uh, I know the, the last one's definitely doc. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I am okay with grumpy. I'm more excited about the prospect of giving other dwarves something to do, <laughs> which they did, but we're not going to see any of it because we automatically cut to the six weeks later. True. True. We will. We, we see that they, 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 they kind of hung out in granny's cafe when it lands in, in the enchanted forest. Yeah, though we don't, we'll see if any of the dwarves go the way of stealthy uh, as they go through Camelot. <laughs> stealthy or sneezy, as we'll get to. <laughs> oh yeah, that's very that's that's true as well. Uh, but our storylines have now merged as we go to the Enchanted Forest and. Uh, Merida, as Emma has recently appeared in the Hill slash Hail of Stones, uh, Merida starts her Hail of Arrows, and Emma has these great Bruce Lee badass moments where she keeps <laughs> catching the, the arrows right before they're about to hit her chest. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> not, she's not learning that you just can't keep shooting arrows at Emma. That's just, she, she needs to kind of... <laughs> yeah, I, that's the only thing she really can do at this point, aside from talk to her and her brogue. Yeah. Um, again, uh, I'm going with the name stupid instead of brave. <laughs> I'm not going to win a lot of points with the listeners. I'm sorry for, for calling her stupid. I realize that, but like she's not learning. Yeah. But I mean, Emma for her part is uh, very resilient to not kill her until she finally <laughs> has her own, once again, forced chug moment where she just grabs her heart. But luckily uh, timing is great here as all the other heroes run in just before Emma kills a woman in the first episode of this season. <laughs> I thought she was like in a controller and like ask her to give her the wisp back because you know we've you, know, you can control the person with the heart. I guess technically she can't give it back; she's already whispered to it. Um, but yeah, yeah, Hook is beseeching her to overcome her demons, and uh, she does. She puts the heart back and heart back, and 
and Rumpel vanishes. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like this is a conversation we've heard a lot, specifically in the past season. Uh, it's happened multiple times because they've definitely played with this storyline before of Emma being swayed over to use her dark magic. And I feel like we've gotten this conversation a lot of like, you know, we're all here because we love you and we want to protect you. So don't give in. And then she's never she except for that one time she threw Cruella off the cliff and killed her. She has yet to really do anything bad. Forgot about that. Oh, Cruella. I miss the. <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like a long time ago that we saw that crazy woman get thrown off a cliff and we had to wonder just like the apprentice. It seems like on this podcast, whenever we think people are dead, they're not. And whenever we don't think they're dead, they are. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's dead. <laughs> but Emma, so Emma relents and she returns Merida's heart and Merida kind of skips off to her heart's content and uh, <laughs> follows the wisp and they sort of check back in at each other. And Merida has this really interesting thing where she says like Emma has taught her to sort of uh, drive away the darkness inside of her. And instead of, uh, you know, like <laughs> opening a can of whoop ass on those people that kidnapped her brother, she's going to show them mercy. <laughs> and mercy is the name of my arrow. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm, I, I, that sounds like a vague, like King Joffrey-esque line if it's delivered in a different way. Yeah. So uh, her parents, they, they end up reuniting for the umpteenth time and they decide we want to give you the daggers so that you're yeah. in control of your own fate. Uh, but Emma is refuses and she gives it to once again, the most level headed person this episode, Regina. I'm like, that's a bad idea. What are you think? No, you don't give the, I, I know that I know that you're trying to save her, but that's like, uh, no, you don't give the dagger to the dark one until she's not the dark one. Yeah, I will say, like, maybe they were not paying attention to that entire storyline last season where, like, gold, like, you know, like, Belle pretended to give the dagger back to gold. And I think it was in the, in the season 4A finale. And it turns out that she had the dagger the entire time. Like, there is no yeah. good that comes from giving the dark one their own dagger back. Yeah, even if you think they're good, just it's 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 best to say, you know what, we'll hang on to this. And and. Yeah, I'm glad at least that that Emma was like, no, don't, no, no, give it to. Well, she does take it, but she gives it to Regina. Yeah, but with dagger and toe, I mean, uh, everyone goes back to Grains and everyone goes home. It's a happy ending, right? Well, not quite. I mean, well, we we get some we get some house guests, we get some knights. Yeah, we get some knights coming in. It is as we find out, it really is king arthur and i wonder again it's the same actress i have no idea how long ago he found the sword whether he's like a because this is a relatively young man for king arthur i would say um but he brings up that he knows all of them because merlin prophesied that they were coming here which again i think that that's that's one reason why i also thought that the random movie theater usher was merlin was because if he already knew who emma was but they are destined to help them in turn find merlin himself so they're off to camelot it's just it's it's only a model that's a very nicely done cgi (laughs) model it really is (laughs) and that's then where things kind of fade to black almost literally yeah i thought i mean again throughout this episode i'm like wow they're doing a lot here so i was happy to kind of get a breath when they just walk through the gates and they sort of cut to black i was like okay this is a good place to end but Six weeks later, we find yeah. that things are quite twisty and not just in a cyclone way. Yeah, like we, we cut to the two people driving in a car and I didn't know who these people were at first. I didn't recognize like yeah. it, it gave it made me think a little bit of when you saw um, Wendy's brothers from Peter Pan driving to town. Yeah, um, which was it, one it, of the reasons, again, why someone should have stayed behind instead of going in a diner. <laughs> 
But no, it's uh, it's sneezy, and I'm gonna guess bashful. All right, we'll just we'll say that. So it's, it, well, because he didn't talk a lot, so I'm assuming he's bashful. Or maybe he's dopey. Dopey didn't talk. Dopey was mute. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, it's sneezy and one of three other dwarves. Two yeah. other dwarves. So three, I also two. I also like the touch that uh, sneezy was wearing like an Emma Swan esque red leather jacket. I guess that's sort of the <laughs> since there's no actual police uniforms in Storybrooke, I'm glad that's the unofficial uniform. Yeah, I guess um, uh, the sheriff from the first season was buried in the one and only uniform that they had. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jamie Dornan unfortunately, was buried in the only police uniform. Uh, Ironically, that uniform was a shade of gray. Oh man! I, if only Jamie Dornan <laughs> was in last season's story arc, he would have perfect. He would have fit in perfectly with being the antihero. Yeah. So as they're as they're kind of patrolling around town, they see that Granny's appears in a flash of light. And everyone wakes up in medieval garb, confused. <laughs> Kurt, for the third time in Once Upon a Time, our main character's memories are gone. Is it only the third time? I would have guessed four or I, five. I'm pretty sure. Well, it's happened like for different people, but I believe at least for Snow White and Prince Charming, at least. This is yeah. the third time their memories have been wiped. Obviously, the first season when Regina put the, the first curse on the town was the first time. The second time was in season 3B when Zelina put the curse on the town and brought everyone back. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, memories have been wiped more than uh, watching all Men in Black movies in a row. So I'm guessing this means that upcoming episodes are going to be mixtures of current day Dark Swan Storybrooke and the uh, making progress through the six weeks. And so that by the time we kind of probably catch up on what happened in those six weeks is probably the time in modern day when they all get the memories back. Yeah, I would say let's well, I would compare it a lot again to season three B where the flashbacks were there were a couple of like random flashbacks in there, but they were mostly showing what happened in those. I think it was like six months between Emma leaving the town and uh, them coming back. So I think that's yeah. exactly what the flashbacks are going to be used for is their time in Camelot. Which I'm fine with. It's a you know, I liked Memento. I like figuring out the pieces. Um, I'm 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 not upset with this. I'm I'm upset that they just reuse the trope. I agree. I'm totally fine with how it's probably going to be executed in the next 10 episodes. I'm just saddened that they have to. It's almost, you know, there definitely are soapy elements of this show. And I feel like this is probably the soapiest one of all. Like, I'm wondering what ends up happening in modern day Storybrooke that need that makes them. Uh, that requires them to not remember the prior six weeks, uh, like like in terms like could they have just done a a a story arc where we see those six weeks and then that's now like did they have to do this sort of strange flashback thing i mean, i'm sure we'll find out yeah um we're gonna have at least a few weeks of them not knowing what's happening yeah over under on them remembering in modern day what they did during the past six weeks if the over under is 4.5 episodes do you get under or over that? I'm going over. I think it's going to be like a halfway through. I'm thinking like an okay. episode six or seven is when they because remember, like, again, we also compared to like the the Elsa stuff from last season where we didn't really find out about Ingrid mm -hmm. and her sisters until like episode seven or eight, I think. That's true. But remember, we say, you know, uh, once upon a time moves fast. They don't really drag their heels. Like they might drag their heels for an episode or two, but they will wrap up a storyline like quicker than you can blink. Yeah, but let's talk about probably the reason why they decided to set a lot of this stuff in modern day storybook, which is the true emerging of 
the dark swan uh emma is decked out in this badass full-length black dress i I will say i'm a bigger fan of medieval emma hair than dark than dark swan emma hair uh her hair is like white and pulled back into this kind of like quaff like if you remember back in like the days where jersey shore was popular they had the thing called the bump it uh i feel like she was wearing a bump it well played mike bloom Uh, here's the it i think what bugs me is what is probably bugging hook right now is like he commented in the enchanted forest that she doesn't look like the crocodile that her complexion is normal and and there's just something greasy about her right now like she's like like she's gonna like break out at any point yeah she's she's swanee zuko yeah it's it I'm. I don't know if it's like I'm unsettled by the look, and that means that the you know the the people that put the look together hit a home run. Um, I'm not really enjoying it. I like I like uh, Raggedy Raggedy Swan better than Dark Swan, um, but I will say that this look she looks a lot like Jennifer Goodwin. Yeah. And, and like I'm like shocked by how much they made her look like her mother. Uh, in this look and I don't know how much of that was intentional but she looks a lot like Mary Margaret when she's got the dark swan look going on I think I think personally but ironically not like when Mary Margaret was evil herself in the season four finale when she had like the faux hawk going on (laughs) correct so in her first uh move as the new dark swan uh she proves her name when she decides she hears sneezy sneeze and just by pure distraction she decides to effectively kill him by turning him to stone (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure that we'll have Sneezy back by the end of the season. Oh, yeah. If, if Hans got to remember, Hans got turned into ice in the season four premiere and he turned out fine. So I'm pretty sure yeah. Sneezy will be OK. Yeah, he'll be fine. But Regina realizes that the dagger is gone. Emma has taken it. The worst has been realized. Um, and she just simply states she's the dark one and she disappears. And Kurt, personally, I am psyched to see where Dark Swan is going. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that didn't sound convincing. I'm just, and it, it's not that I don't like the idea for the story. It's, it's more in terms of, I really like Emma as a hero. And it's more like, like if I was part of her family, like, my reaction was more like, if like she was like a cousin or something, I'd be like, no, Emma, you can't be dark. You're so, I like you how you are. I'm I'm personally excited about it just because I feel like, again, the past season and even like season 3B as well, we've been tiptoeing so much around Emma being evil. Like, oh, she's doing she's doing dark things, but she's not. She's a good person. Don't worry, Emma. Stay away from the darkness. Go towards the light. I'm happy that at least for a little bit, we're going to have Emma completely swing in the other direction and have Jennifer Morrison do a lot more than pout and make that weird, like constipated face that she's been doing the past year. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 I'm. I'm okay with it. I'm good with it. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm looking for, let me say this. I'm looking forward, <coughs> excuse me. I'm looking forward to her family saving her yeah. or her, or her saving herself or however it ends up. Um, do you think that dark Swan is going to be a full season five thing? Or are we no. looking at another two, two, two half seasons? I, I, I think, I think dark Swan is going to, I think she'll be absolved of her magical sin. Uh, by the time this arc ends, but then we'll get our real big bad for season five B, which who knows where we'll be going at that point. But I feel like dark Swan is going to, is, is our big bad for this half season and this half season only. Okay. I'm just curious. 
Kirk Clark, anything else you'd like to say about this premiere episode before we start wrapping things up? Uh, not really. I know we got a few questions and comments on Twitter. Do you want to hit some of those? Yeah. Um, one I do remember is Country Fied Diva asked us to, this might be a little preemptive, but she asked us to rank uh, the three dark ones that we know of in Zoso, Rumpelstiltskin, and Emma. Uh, Kurt, do you feel like we need more of a resume from Emma, or can you try to do a ranking right now? Um. I think I'd have to ding. I think I'd have to ding. Uh, are we doing ding? Are we ranking or ding, Mary, uh, kill? We, I was doing, to, I, <laughs> we could, we're doing power rankings, but if you want to ding, Mary, kill, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, it's too soon to power rank, but it's not too soon to ding, Mary, kill. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's power rank for now. And we'll talk more about ding, Mary, kill when, when we can pontificate more on Dark Swan's outfit. Yeah, the uh, uh, is that what we call it? Pontificating. Um, the I, I don't really know. Zo- well, the thing is, like, we we really only have one resume here. I don't think we have Zozo's re- resume. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that Rumple's at the top, um, and you've got Zozo. It's like Zozo and Swan battling to see who would face him in the finals for the darkest one of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, think. I would say so. I mean, I, I might put Emma above Zoso right now just because, I mean, she did show her worth at least a little bit by turning uh, Sneezy to stone. And it just, again, it makes me excited for what she's going to do. I don't think she's going to outright kill anybody, but it'll fun, be fun to see her do evil things. Uh, we have a question from Katie Beth Austin yes. here. And this is the best question ever. And she's my favorite listener because of it, because I completely, completely forgot about this. Go ahead. All right, Kurt, <laughs> where is Lily? <laughs> yes. Am I forgetting something or did they just not include her? (laughs) They just did not include her. And I, when I saw this question come through, I was like, holy smokes, that's right. I forgot Lily. And even coming out of season four, one of the things that I was most looking forward to was a storyline about them trying to figure out who Lily's father was, because that was one of the things like, you know, well, he was a drag. I don't know what he looked like now that he was a dragon is what her you know, you know, Maleficent set. Um, so I, and it, you know, you know, kudos to the show for, you know, leveraging the three months off or four months off that we had for making me completely forget this. Um, but yeah, no, they just completely left Lily out of it. Yeah. Um, and we were, we were talking at the end of season four, they kind of opened up that storyline where, you know, Lily and her mother were able to reconcile, but we didn't know who Lily's father was. And we were wondering, you know, if they were going to bring them on. And I do, I think the actress who played Lily is going to be, I think she's become like a supporting character in the cast. I don't know if uh, Maleficent has, but I think we assumed there was going to be more Lily here. So, I mean, Once Upon a Time is a little screwy sometimes with bringing back yeah. those like tertiary characters from time to time. So I personally think we'll see more of Lily. I just don't think she has any sort of main effect on the storyline right now. That's who they left behind. That's who's running this. Show. That's who's running the shop. Uh, You're gonna leave wow. the person who randomly turns into a dragon running a town. Well, I can see there being a couple episodes where, like, we find out. Let's let's say we don't have a tie, like a flashback type stuff. So maybe for a few episodes we get, and here's what's going on in the Enchanted Forest. But back in Storybrooke, Lily and Maleficent are wondering where the heck everybody went, <laughs> and we and and they search for and they search for her dad. And so by the time we get back after six weeks, they found the dad, and that's the key to beating Dark Emma. Yes, uh, that's it's, <laughs> it's sort of like the it's be like in fact like the leftovers for ABC basically where they walk oh, in the rest of the only two percent of the town left. 
Oh. Um, we, we also did have a, a, a tweet from a question from Becca Greenshoe90, uh, basically asking uh, the so the usher at the beginning of the episode told Emma not to pull the sword from the stone. Was he actually telling her not to use the dagger to become the dark one as the dagger is part of the sword? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, it's I. I I, it, it's all confusing because the sword's already been pulled from the stone. So, but I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that, you know, that, that kind of preempts her ability to do anything with the dagger. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. And I wonder, will this imply that maybe at some point Excalibur will be returned to the stone and then maybe Emma will have the choice to pull the sword there. I think the decision is still coming. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I love the once upon a time writers to death, but I do feel like that would have been way too subtle on their part to hint that get, pulling the dagger was in fact pulling out Excalibur from the stone. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little bit of a, a layered onion there in terms of trying to decipher meeting. Yep. I have one more question here from evil Roy uh, going back to our nurse ratchet stuff is the one flew over the cuckoo's nest stuff. The strangest character use, or I guess literary reference here, stranger than Frankenstein. Kurt, what, what do you think is the, the fact that we outright her nurse ratchet alludes to the fact that I think either these characters are from a one floor of the cuckoo's nest realm, or they're just like outright references to it. Is this the strangest literary reference we've had so far on the show? Um, yeah, I, I think it would be, I think that, that, um, I, for a long time, you know, Frankenstein was up there. It was, it was still kind of a, at least literary. And it was nice that they had the, the Frankenstein world as being black and white. I thought that was a, a nice touch, but this is a definitely, I believe I would say the, the most random. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say so just because it's, yeah, it's so it comes from absolutely nowhere. I mean, again, we still don't have any information about like whether this is a realm or not, or whether they're just like fun little Easter egg references. But the only, the one I would probably put second right now is still that random place that Cruella came from where like it was 1920s England all the time. I still in my heart of hearts, like it somehow link that back to, uh, the, you know, Peter Pan world where it was, uh, where he, uh, where it was, Balefire went with Wendy and her brothers, and uh, I, I still think that that was maybe the same world as Cruella, like this Victorian, early twentieth century, late nineteenth century London setting. Uh, I think there's, you know, we, we might even see—is that where the rescuers are from? If we get a rescuers reference, I think that might trump everything. Well, I know they were in Australia once, so maybe that was the rescuers down under. Yes, I, I alluded. I thought that might have been it from the title. Otherwise, it was a very different movie. <laughs> the, the Great Mouse Detective was probably in that same world yeah. uh so but in in terms but yeah most random most non-disney uh you've definitely got one one flew over the cuckoo's nest so if you listening have any theories as to how these realms connect or if you if you have your own power rankings for how the dark ones might turn out or if you have your own ideas of, of where the prophecy or where the dark swan storyline may be going you have a slew of ways to contact us obviously you can leave comments here on postshowrecaps.com uh while you're here you can also please 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 if you haven't yet Subscribe to our Once Upon a Time only feed uh, by going to postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes. And it, when you do, please rate and review us just to bump us up a little bit. With Once Upon a Time coming back, that means all the other Once Upon a Time podcasts are coming back. We want to make sure we are the creme de la creme of your OUAT coverage. And of course, you can always reach out to us on Twitter. Kurt, how can people reach out to you through Twitter? 
Uh, I am at Kurt Clark with two C's on Twitter. And I am at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. But while you're here on Post Show Recaps, be sure to check out all the great content that we have otherwise. A new show has started called Most Shows Recapped, which uh, features Rob Cesarnino, Josh Wiggler, and Antonio Mazzaro. They're basically getting together every Friday to talk about random TV shows and movies that they've been pontificating on for the week. Uh, they just released their inaugural episode with Heroes Reborn. It's a lot of fun. And by the way, Kurt, uh, I don't know if you saw Heroes Reborn yet, but our old friend Peter Pan makes an appearance. Uh, yeah, I was. And I, I think we actually liked him as an as an actor. Um, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. Robbie, Robbie K, I think his name is. Y- yes, and like not, uh, not, K, not the, Sir K, the deceased tonight. <laughs> Sir K. Um, yeah, maybe that was like a little. They were kind of bitter that he decided to completely part ways with uh, with ABC, and so they 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 killed K at the uh, Stone. Um, but uh, no, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and I, I always thought that he was actually really good as Peter Pan. Um, so 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 far so good in terms of Heroes Reborn. Yeah, I will say though that I just again since we saw him in Peter in, as Peter Pan, and I thought he was so good in there. It's so weird to watch him be this like earnest uh, protege boy a little naive without making him think he has some sort of nefarious purpose where he's you know uh he's uh, trying to like glamour everybody yeah he it feels weird to root for him yeah very very true otherwise on post show recaps uh seinfeld coverage is always ongoing fear the walking dead i believe ends next week and then we're jumping right back in with walking dead coverage with rob and josh and i believe snl starts this upcoming weekend as well which rob will be diving back into with rich tackenberg so a lot of new stuff to jump into fall tv season is back so are we kurt clark and i will be back next week to talk about episode two it is great to be back kurt i am so excited for what the next 10 weeks are going to bring us yeah, I think it's I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be it's going to be a fun ride. So, Kurt, we need a hashtag for people who have made it all the way through the podcast. How about hashtag dark clippy? I love that. I was, I was thinking another dark clippy or clip, uh, clippy still skin, but I think dark clippy probably works best. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't I don't think we want black goo as a. Uh... <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Uh, but we're really desperate. Uh, so, yeah, for all you office nerds out there, uh, hashtag dark clippy for making it to the end of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening, whether you're an old listener or a new one. Uh, We always appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. We will talk to you guys next week for Season 5, Episode 2. And remember, transporting does not make you a bad person unless it does. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. 